hello and welcome to another installation of Witch Car Weekly. Um, very pleased to see you back again. Yes, because of course last week, to mark our 50th episode of Witch Car Weekly, we brought it to you in the very visual medium of what is now the new normal uh, Zoom or any other kind of conferencing video technology you happen to be using. We're using it to keep talking and keep the vibes going for Witch Car Weekly. Um, this week, I am joined by Scotty Newman, Associate Editor of Motor Magazine, as is customary. But for this very special subject and edition, we are welcoming a couple of our other favourite people back to the Witch Car Weekly Fold. Tony O'Kane, Senior Writer at Witch Car, and also the main man when it comes to all of our gaming content. Mm -hmm. And in very unorthodox fashion, we also have Witch Car Editor, privileged to be among uh, Tim Robson, who joins us from a racing what? simulator. Ah! <laughs> Today we're going to be discussing the very hot and current topic of uh, e-racing or sim racing. Of course, we are all confined to our wonderful accommodation, forbidden to leave the premises for anything other than essential tasks. Um, one of those essential tasks is not uh, regarded as going to a race or participating in motorsport. So the world has changed and what we've seen is the emergence of virtual racing. Now last night uh, supercars made its foray into e-racing. Uh, before that it was TCR, Formula One's had a go. That's the subject of today and that is why we bring together these many great minds. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Hi, now let's kick this off. So last night was, was a bit of a, a a poignant moment because we saw the first in history, I believe, uh, e-racing version of the supercars. It was it was very unorthodox. Um, we had, of course, all of the, the main drivers participating from their various sim rigs around the country. Um, what do we think? How did it go? I thought it was great. I thought it was the best execution of that kind of e-racing uh, for the mainstream format. If, I think if you just tuned in, because it was it was broadcast as uh, a regular supercars race would have been. If you just tuned in, you you might uh, might have assumed it was actually a real life race that you were seeing because the, the commentary was still there. The presentation, the quality of the, the production was as it usually is. It's just when they went to the racing, if you looked a little bit closely, you'd be like, hang on, this is a video game. Uh, it's quite remarkable. That really is a testament to the quality that, and the production that, that they laid on. It's been many many weeks, in fact, months in, in the planning. Um, I was actually watching a, a, a review of it on the news this morning and the, the sports presenter knew full well what was going on, but the actual presenter on the main desk said, is that footage of a previous race or is the actual, is that, they couldn't tell. I mean, that's how good this was. Yeah. Um, for, for, so Tony, our, our resident gaming expert, what is the game they were playing? So they're using iRacing, which is a game that has also been used by a few other codes now uh, in their transition to virtual um, motorsport. Uh, it's it's known as one of the the top tier, most realistic uh, driving simulations. Um, it is it's hard. It's got a, a very steep learning curve. Uh, Robbo is is deep into it, as is his son. Uh, he can attest, and we'll, we'll go to him later to get some firsthand uh, testimonial about how hard that game is. But um, racers love it because it is accurate, and they use it as a training tool. A lot of the people, a lot of the drivers who were on the grid last night. Um, there would be no strangers to iRacing because they would use it as part of their, their training um, regimen. Um, it's also been used by, obviously, TCR use that in their uh, broadcasts, but also NASCAR. NASCAR um, had their first virtual race as well, and that is actually the other example that I would point to as being how to do this virtual racing 
um, right because that was a really good production. Again, it just sort of felt like a normal broadcast and the reaction from NASCAR fans, which was quite surprising in how um, positive they were. They thought it was great and they loved watching it and they're looking forward to even more races. And it got a similar reaction from the, um, the local Aussie crowd with um, supercars as well, which I think is very, um, very encouraging. It actually topped but, Twitter last night. It was uh, amazingly over over the top of all this COVID-19 stuff, all over the coronavirus stuff. Like you say, Dan, it was on mainstream news, which goes to show how desperate we all are to watch anything other than <laughs> coronavirus stuff. But to actually be number one trending topic on Twitter last night, how good is that? Yeah. But um, it's it's not the only, as you say, TCR has, has had a crack at this using um, iRacing. And yeah. it wasn't anywhere near as successful. What, what went wrong? What, was, what were the problems and where do you think they failed there? Yeah, so TCR was a little bit of a, a missed opportunity, I guess, being their first thing. You, you want to make a good impression. And uh, unfortunately, it seemed that they were very um, uh, plagued by technical issues, technological issues with connection. Um, the commentary audio was just chopping in and out all the time. It was actually quite hard to watch and it was quite unfortunate because... Um, the racing from what we could see of it was quite good until drivers would sort of glitch out because they were having connection issues of their own. Um, so you'd have cars just sort of popping in and disappearing and rubber banding all over the track. Um, we didn't see that with supercars um, at all really. And I think the difference there is because supercars had a rehearsal. They had a rehearsal early right. in the week for all the drivers just to make sure that they were all um, across their setups that their computers were uh, you know, doing what they needed to do, that the network latency that they had was fine. Um, and uh, it went off without a hitch. I think that goes to show, you know, the dress rehearsal does help. Obviously the, the racing wasn't rehearsed, but everything else, everything else was, and it was quite polished as a result. Um, as is, uh, rehearsals are absolutely essential in, in all sort of broadcasts and for that matter that's exactly why I asked someone to move their phone from the table before we started broadcasting so it wouldn't vibrate but it just did it then to whoever's it is we really rehearsed this um, Scotty you bring <laughs> to the table we podcasts yeah. <laughs> well there was that time <laughs> Scotty there was that time we had to do an entire podcast twice but I won't say for exactly <clears throat> what reasons so that was the best rehearsal we ever had um <laughs> yes while, while we <laughs> while we have you Scott you um you bring to the uh the, the panel a certain level of expertise you, you you've a fair bit of motorsport experience Andy about are you a, are you a simulator enthusiast as well I am. I have been a racing gamer for a long time. Um, obviously, way back in the uh, keypad days of Colin McRae Rally and Gran Turismo's and all that sort of thing. Um, a couple of years ago, I took the plunge. I sort of, I'd had a go on other mates, and you talk about the i racing. Um, talk about the i racing learning curve. A good mate of mine is very into it. It's got a great setup. We'd have a bash on F1. Great. Have a bash on, you know, some Bertsy cars <laughs> or something. Great get an eye racing, two corners in, bang, dead. Two corners in, bang, <laughs> dead. It's bloody impossible, which is amazing how quickly some of these guys, like guys like Scotty Mack and stuff who train a lot, you can understand why they're so good at it. But some of the guys that can get on and even get around the lab, it sort of demonstrates how close it is to the real thing because their skills transfer. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, so I did put a toe in just to see how I went with it. Uh, fell in love with it basically said this is actually obviously it's not the real thing but god it's a hell of a lot cheaper and it's probably you know you get 70 percent 75 percent maybe of the thrill the 
fun out of it. Um, so why not? There's no bills, there's no damage, there's no nothing. So I've set up a, you know, I've got a better, a better rig, a better wheel and all that sort of thing. And now I want to upgrade. That's the bad thing about seeing all these amazing setups these pros have. Now I want to, you know, get the direct drive wheel and you know, motion yeah, sensing yeah. and all sorts of things. Is, so funny thing is though, when it comes to the hardware with supercars, we saw a pretty, uh, broad spectrum of equipment. Yeah. Did you see Rick Kelly's? Oh, His, he uh, was the absolute standout. It was wonderful. It was the best. Like he built it in the week prior uh, out of like scrap wood and, and some bolts and stuff using like a, a Logitech, like a, sort of base model Logitech wheel yep. and an old TV that he got from his man cave somewhere. Um, it was great, but he, you know, he was having a go and he's sort of uh, getting his, his, um, his, his hands dirty in actually. He, doing was it. The, and it was, it was he was absolute hero of the entire evening for me, because not only was he uh, competing against all these other guys and they're ridiculously over the top <laughs> simulated with as much technology as you find in an actual VX supercar um, yeah. with his, as you said, was made out of wood, a camping chair, and he even had a fluffy steering wheel cover <laughs> just yeah, to right. take the piss. <laughs> it was so good. And, <laughs> and he was easily, he easily takes the, uh, the award for gaining the most altitude in any of the races. <laughs> One, at one point, he'd been speared in the side. It looked like he'd managed about 50 foot of air. Yeah, <laughs> I think he might have um, sort of run into the limits of the physics simulation in iRacing, but it, it did look pretty spectacular in race one at Phillip Island. Um, yeah, he just sort of uh, transformed into a helicopter and went flying. Fantastic. Now is an excellent moment to take us uh, ourselves to Tim Robson, who uh, is in the seat of one of these aforementioned simulators. Now, Tim, on the scale of things, where does your sim rig sit in terms of advancement and technology? It's an interesting one. As, as, uh, as Tony pointed out, there's a variance in what you can, uh, what you can do. Look, we, we love to dream about that direct drive wheel and the, the awesome pedals with loads, all of that technology. In, 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 and for me, it's almost like motorsport in that way, isn't it? Like you start with something basic, but you always want to go up. So is this the new golf for the uh, aspiring gentleman? Probably is. Our setup here, as I've, I've, I've set it up here, it's based around an Australian-made frame. Uh, which I found on eBay for 200 bucks about a decade ago. So it has done fantastic service. We brought, you look, you can see I'm sitting in a proper race seat. Uh, that was $200 off of a Chinese uh, auction site and sent <laughs> over to Australia. So you don't have to have the genuine stuff. In fact, uh, the pretend harness, uh, well, she's not a pretend, well, it is, it is a pretend harness. It's got the proper Sabelt logo, logos and stuff, but it's a forgery. So we actually found that in a race car Ooh. that we bought, but it was a fake one. We wrote a story about it for which car. Um, so we actually took it out and we've written, you know, we, really I should probably cut it up and it'll, ne it'll never leave the house. Um, but it's got fake written all over it. But it's perfect for a sim because I'm not really getting a lot of G-force uh, sitting on my ass doing nothing. Um, yeah, if you need a harness in that. Yeah, yeah scrutineering <laughs> might be a bit of a, a, a problem. There, Something's so, gone um, very wrong if you actually need a harness in your sim rig. <laughs> exactly. The steering wheel stuff, we basically buy secondhand. Uh, we go onto, onto auction sites, we go to the Facebook marketplace and that kind of stuff. So our G27 wheel is about 10 years old. Um, and it's actually the same wheel that won the first of the NASCAR races uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I think I'll just hang on to that. You can modify it. Wow. We've got a little steer steering wheel boss that allows us to put a bigger steering wheel on. We've got bigger flappy paddles behind the seat. Uh, it's just a, a $300 computer monitor. Uh, and the computer itself is probably the best part of it. Uh, maybe eight or 900 bucks to buy that. 
um, as we did it. So, but uh, well, what we'll do is we'll cut over and if you, if you indulge me. So what happened with the E-Series stuff last night is that the, uh, the supercars guys basically said that they would provide the setup. It was a fixed setup race. So that means that nobody could go in and change spring rates and shocks and tyre presses and all that kind of stuff. They tried to make the field as easy, they, you know, even as they possibly could across both the Mustang and the Commodore that they raced. Um, but they had made that setup available to anyone who's got iRacing. So Max, my son, who is the, the level two racer, uh, got on this morning, set it all up, uh, and he's loaded up the, uh, the simulation. Uh, it's horrifying. <laughs> this yeah. is the single most <laughs> horrifying car to drive on this game. Like the, 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 they, they spend a lot of time on what they call tire modeling and damage modeling, all that kind of stuff. But basically, it's a pain in the ass. It's a big, <laughs> overpowered, under-tired, under-steery crap box. <laughs> it is. But I think they actually, because a couple of the guys, as uh, McLaughlin and Ben Gisbergen, uh, for two of them, uh, spend quite a lot of time on iRacing. And I think they got a hold of the guys and said, look, drive this and let us tweak it. So I think it is actually quite realistic because they got input from the guys who drive the real things to go, well, tell us, is it is it right? So I guess... You'd hope it's pretty realistic. Well, that was what was one of the staggering things about last night watching the racing is the, the form and the field and the way they were reacting to one another and the way they were sort of actually racing and competing mm. looked every bit as authentic as the graphics and the cars themselves. So clearly something's working because it, just the, the whole sort of mannerisms and there you can tell the individual sort of characters of the drivers and the way they and lo and behold, you know the. Scott won the first race. It's sort of like, well, there yeah. you go. It's kind of, it's playing out the way it probably would have if they were actually for the pilot. Yeah, I think it also Is speaks it? to the professionalism of these guys. Um, like a lot, not all of them are sim races. Like Scotty Mack is, as Scott mentioned, so is Van Gisbergen, uh, the, uh, the one of the Erebus guys, uh, uh, Anton Di Pasquale, is a mad sim racer and apparently very excellent. On the opposite side of the coin uh, is his mad mate Dave Reynolds, who uh, Scott and I know and love from. <laughs> His time on performance car of the year a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Couldn't sim race to save his life. He turned up uh, in qualifying yesterday wearing a Mario Kart outfit and apparently Supercar <laughs> said, ah, you can take it off. Mate. That'd be better. But to my surprise, actually not to my surprise, they are all professional athletes. So what they've done is taken this challenge on. They're not going to be as good. Jamie, uh, Jamie Winker, for example, you know, uh, six-time champion, if I'm correct, um, really doesn't do a lot of sim work, but he got he, he got stuck in, bought a sim, took it down to the workshop, um, and he's doing his level best. So it really speaks volumes as to the professionalism of these young guys. I think one of the things, though, that, that sim racing, no matter how advanced you talk about, you know, the, the feedback wheels and, and, you know, no matter how realistic the seat you sit in and the, the visuals you're getting from the monitors, it doesn't matter how good that is, you don't get the sense of movement. Um, and that for, I think, a lot of professional races is where simulators have their main failing. Um, it doesn't matter how good you are. So to a certain extent, you have to sort of train to be a sim racer and then carry over the learnings of that to the real car. And does it work to some extent and vice versa as well? Yeah, um, I actually listened to a couple of good podcasts about this recently in that um, it was with Dario Franchitti, who won a Legends race they held. They put all these guys in old F1 cars, you know, eSports. Um, and a lot of these guys hadn't, like Juan Pablo Montoya, for instance, is a big sim racer. Dario wasn't, but they got him up to speed and everything like that. And Dario won the front first race, which is a testament to his skill. Um, 
but he was saying it is completely different because you don't have that kinetic feedback. You mm. drive purely with your eyes. Whereas another thing I was listening to this morning, like with driving, usually like the quote was, if you have to wait for your eyes, it's too late. You feel it through right. your bum, through your yeah. hands, through your internal G sensors that we don't even really know we have. Uh, I think, you know, the inner ear. Usually you drive with that, but suddenly you're driving purely on yeah, visual references. Um, so it takes a bit of time to adjust, but you still can do it. And I think I was thinking about this, thinking about this this morning. I think why it's transferred so well and why it's so relevant to motorsport is because the actions are still exactly the same. Like I saw Jackery Walt was having taken the Mickey out of Scott for you know playing computer games like a kid. Well, you can't play AFL on a on a game. It just that doesn't work. Completely different skill set. But I bet if you overlaid Scotty's Scotty McLaughlin's telemetry from his iRacing against his actual pole lap whenever he did last year, they're probably exactly the same. Like these inputs are exactly the same. The thing, the skills you have to make the car move in terms of input, brake, throttle, steering are exactly the same. So it does work like using different sensors, but I think that's why it's so relevant and so enjoyable to watch because they're effectively doing the same thing, really. Real I think, mate, that it's a lot of it's mental. I believe that the big um, advantage with using a sim, sure, you don't get the movement um, that you equate with, you know, going forward in the seat and acceleration and all that kind of stuff. But racing is as much a mental game as it is a physical game. So if you can bolt your thing, bolt yourself in behind the steering wheel of your sim for a solid hour, not make a mistake, uh, hit a delta time then you are training your brain to do that in real life. And, I've, and that's what I've sort of uh, instilled in Max. He's 18, he wants to do motorsport. Um, so he, he'll actually sit in the sim uh, with a balaclava on, with gloves, with, with you know, heavy socks. So he makes himself feel a bit hot and uncomfortable. So when we transfer to our little, our little Honda race car in the garage, he's actually sort of sensitised himself, I suppose, to, to that kind of medium. So he's actually not a complete stranger to it when he comes to, when he comes to do it in real life. Mm. And that's Perhaps you could sort of it. pump some carbon monoxide into the to the <laughs> simulator as well, and you know maybe just give, give them the real. You know, don't let, don't let them get a, get a soft option here or anything. That's right. <laughs> and that's why I started doing it. Is that okay? It's not. You can't bolt the F1 esports champion in an F1 car and put him on pole. But a lot of it is transferable, and that's what I started doing. Is it is it does it help? And I think it does help to a certain degree because it's all muscle memory. So, especially with the pedals, like the steering obviously is different because you don't have the feedback, but the pedals, you know, brake release, feeding, throttle in carefully, that transfers because it is, yeah, like I said, it's a muscle memory. It's training your body to have those inputs and do them over and over and over again. So then when you do get in a real car, you've still got to do it, but you've skipped, you've skipped probably a couple of levels of learning or, you know, steepened the learning curve. Oh, sorry, not flattened the learning curve a bit. So, so what about that gentleman who, um, he, I forget, his name escapes me now, but he uh, went through the Gran Turismo driving school and ended up driving for a Nissan competitively in the real world of racing. So, yep. There's a them? few of those. Matt Simmons. Um, Matt Simmons. Matt Simmons so, yeah. yeah, so clearly he'd never driven anything other than, I think, a road car before his real racing career kicked off. So everything he knows about racing has come from the virtual world. You mm. can't you can't deny its its importance and its value on with that one case alone. Clearly, there's something in it. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's good reason why professional race drivers use this as a training tool. Um, it allows them to develop good race racecraft, um, which is further to what Scott was saying before, you know, the, the fundamentals of uh, where you should be putting power down, how you should be braking, um, but also to learn uh, new circuits before they actually physically arrive there. Um, they can key themselves into where the track goes, where the corners are, where the braking points are. Uh, it's useful on a number of different um, fronts, but yeah, now we're seeing it as being an actual substitute for the end product, which is motorsport itself. And um, yeah, it is quite interesting to see how successful uh, it is becoming. And I think the success really does hinge on the involvement of the drivers and, and whether they, they fully buy into it. And we saw that the supercars drivers certainly have and uh, NASCAR drivers definitely have. Um, Formula One is something that hasn't really... Um, you know, got the, the buy-in from the drivers that it really needs. Uh, Lando, yeah. I mean, Lando and Max are big Exception. sim racers. I mean, they spend their lives on it. And, yeah, but, um, yeah. and Lando, if you, if you ever want to watch, he, he live streams all his stuff. He's got pedal cam set up and mm. go and watch his stuff if you're sort of interested in it because you effectively get to watch an F1, drive, F1 level talent drive, which you can't obviously yeah. do when he's in the race car. And just yeah. watch his like inputs and how smooth he is and how relaxed he is while he's, and you always see him at the top of the timesheets, always him and Max are at the top against all these sim races. So he's really, really good at it. And to watch him drive is just a thing of beauty because he's so good. Um, but you're right, Tony, in that they haven't necessarily, yeah, got, you know, or the whole group. I don't think Kimi Räikkönen and Lewis Hamilton are sort of lining up to spend their life on a video game at the moment, which is a shame in one way, but... Well, even if you look yeah. at Max Verstappen there, Scott, he has actually come out and said that the simulator, you know, the, the, the Codemasters F1 2020 game that they use, he'll never be seen on it. Now, can you imagine yeah, right. the marketing and PR office of Formula One going, <laughs> well, that, that, that's great. Thank, thanks, Max. Yeah. You know, but what are you going to say? Official game of F1, but yeah. <laughs> I, I freaking hate it. it. I don't think it really <laughs> matters what the game is. I don't think it matters what the game is because it's really it's it's they're in formula racing all the cars are supposed to be performance matched right yeah and so if they're in a game and the cars all behave the same it doesn't really matter so much as long as they actually give it a crack it's not it's not an arcade game but it's not a full simulator like i racing it's somewhere in between um but really i mean f1 fans go to races to watch drivers they don't go to watch cars do they they want to see the drivers so then yeah, I totally agree that that brings us back to this sort of the core question here, which is we, we, we can say without any doubt at all, this is racing for the next few months because of the, the world we're living in. But yeah. what if people prefer it? You know, I, I know there was, I, I, there was elements of last night's race, the supercars race, that I genuinely enjoyed more. You could see that the drivers were having a, maybe a bit more fun. You know, they could take a few more risks because yeah. they knew they weren't going to bend expensive hardware. You could see that they didn't really, it's not added, it's not, there's no points in the real supercar series there. So there was no real risk in that. So you could see them having, taking a few more risks, having a bit more fun. I'm sure I'm not the only person who felt that way. So are we potentially looking at a situation where we get to the, the end of the COVID-19 restrictions? People go, can we just carry on watching the e-racing? It was a bit better. <laughs> well, I think they've already started that. I mean, there is a legitimate F1 esports championship. Um, that has backing from a lot of the teams. Um, and the other thing is, like you say, Dan, especially in the F1, what's the problem with F1? You can't, they're all driving in their stupid tyres and they can't follow each other because of aero. That doesn't exist in the virtual world. The same with the V8 mm. supercars. You know, they have aero problems as well. 
that, I mean, you can, I think, uh, model it, but essentially they can just turn it off and suddenly you can go around nose to tail around corners and make these big moves because you do have the physics, but you also don't have the physics. So yeah, in one way it is more entertaining because you don't have those restrictions. They did change a few of the modelings uh, on the iRacing setup from last night. Apparently, they've added what they call a damage model uh, that they've been rolling out across other series in, in the game, and they've rolled it out particularly for the supercar. Um, but a couple of the drivers said that they were literally getting aero wash and all the rest of it. But to your point, Scott, I think that there is the opportunity here to throw out all of the rules. I mean, why not have a figure of eight? Why not have them racing through a lava field? You know, like in the old Tokyo. I think know, you're playing Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I always, what I always throw turtle shells at each other. I don't know. <laughs> well, you come back to something like the movie Speed Racer, which was a, maybe a decade ago. Um, that's where I think electric car racing should be ultra fast, doing mm. absolutely mind blowing crap rather than just Formula E, kind of those <laughs> slow, weird sounding, you know, uh, things that, that go around the streets of Hong Kong. In the digital world, we could do whatever the hell we like. So why don't they? Why don't they have ultimate grip? You know, 4,000 horsepower, you know, supercars uh, with 50 competitors. Like, where, what's stopping them? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Absolutely. So, so um, maybe the scenario that plays out is um, some kind of supplementary role of uh, yes. um, virtual motorsport. So when we're eventually allowed to go back burning fantastic amounts of fossil fuels and hydrocarbons, we'll do that, but people will have had their eyes open to a different form of motorsport. And my final question, I think, to you guys is, can we call it motorsport? If there Ooh. isn't a single, the only motor involved is on the force feedback steering wheel. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's just esports. You know, yeah. it's, it's, um, that's th- it's not an or, it's an and, I think. It's, you know, they're, they're, they are together. And I think audiences will feed respective audiences. You know, kids will get more into the real one and adults will probably look at, I think a few people have had their eyes open and gone, hey, this is actually fun and enjoyable. Um, it's not silly or for kids or whatever. Um, was that a seagull? Anyway. Um, <laughs> it probably yeah, was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think, yeah, I think it is just... just <laughs> Esports, really. Um, but, but before we finish, I just want to say two seconds on one thing. I actually got a, a go in the Toyota F1 simulator once um, in Cologne. And this was back in 2014. And they were no, no longer an F1, but they'd converted it to their LMP1 program. And it's probably been upgraded since. But you're talking about there's no G-Force. But this thing was on like six massive hydraulic rams um, with a carbon fiber F1 monocoque suspended on it with a full screen that went around to here. Uh, and an engineer in a, in a tech room and everything like that. And that was incredible. And you want to talk about racing being hard. This was absolutely impossible. Because <laughs> I still had the hand clutch from the F1 car. And the, it was oh, everything you could brilliant. do just to get oh, it wow. going because you had no feel in the hand clutch, which you don't usually have anyway. So you just send it into anti-stall. And then as soon as you actually got the thing rolling, you'd have invariably lock up or spin out and then have to start from scratch again with the bloody anti stall. <laughs> so, but finally we got um got it running. Uh, a few, a couple of people didn't even manage to get it moving, but thankfully I did. And but that was that was simply amazing. That was like that was as far as you can take it. And I want one. I just need about thirty million to send it up, <laughs> send it up in the backyard. Robert, you better hope that Max doesn't get too good at this because he'll be expecting exactly that kind of hardware <laughs> to further his career. 
Well, so far so bad luck for him. Yeah, we're still we're still buying secondhand. <laughs> we're still buying secondhand parts off eBay, and we're still having a ball. He'll get it on every day. Um, I actually, to to be honest and to to confess, I jumped out of it because it was so hard. Um, but uh, iRacing has put on an AI sim AI setup in the race. I'm back into it a bit, which is great. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure um, remotely. Uh, thank you for joining us for another, the 51st edition of Which Car Weekly, uh, the, the new oh, no. format, which is our new normal. Um, from Tim, Tim Robson in his, in his simulator in somewhere in New South Wales, Tony O'Kane, the, the regular Scott Newman, um, thank you so much. Uh, join us again in a week for another video installment of Which Car Weekly and stay safe out there, whether you be on the road or in self-isolation. <laughs>